people say, oh yeah, that four o'clock in the afternoon crash. I'm like, I haven't experienced that for like 38 years since before I changed my diet and and learned. Like, I don't know what that feels like to feel tired at four o'clock in the afternoon. Like four o'clock in the afternoon, I get upset if I feel tired at 11 o'clock at night. You know, like, why am I so tired? Oh, it's 11 o'clock. It's bedtime. Okay, I'll go to bed. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm going to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Let me guess, do some of your days unfold like this? You get a call from your best friend or your partner, and they immediately ask how you were doing or how was your day. And without even thinking, you reply with one of these statements, oh, it was a crazy long day, or I am feeling pretty drained, or it was exhausting and overwhelming, or I'm exhausted and I have so much to do when I get home, or simply I'm tired, or some variation of that. If one of these responses sound familiar to you, you are not alone. There are millions of people struggling. I'm talking one in three people are struggling with lagging energy, especially towards the end of the day. And many, they're even feeling this in the morning. Now, this was me for years, so many years that I can't even count. So many of my mornings were a struggle and coffee barely worked. Now, I know we all feel this from time to time, but when feeling tired most of the time is your default, it's time to reevaluate and make some changes to get your energy back in a big way. And the great thing is, is you can absolutely do that. See, I want you to experience so much energy that you feel great when you wake up in the morning. How great would that feel? To me, that sounds like the best thing ever. And that's why I invited my dear friend and energy and metabolic function expert, Dr. Rita Marie, to share her solid three strategies for up-leveling your mitochondria and boosting your energy all day long. Now, no surprise, a lot about what we're going to be talking about today is on metabolic health because that is the gas pedal to more energy. Now, before I bring her on, I want to quickly sing her praises. Dr. Rita Marie is the founder of the Institute of Nutritional Endocrinology. She combines ancient healing wisdom of whole foods, herbs with modern scientific research to help people recharge their energy and reclaim their lives. She is a best-selling author, speaker, and internationally recognized nutrition and hormone health authority. She offers online courses, long-distance coaching, counseling, along with in-person classes and hands-on methodology. You can find her at drritamarie.com. Let's welcome her to the show. Hey, I want to share something that I've been using every single morning that I consider a non-negotiable. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to jumpstart my energy in a massive way. And with one delicious scoop of AG1, you get whole food ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens, and it's easy to drink. Now to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash essentially. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash essentially to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome Dr. Rita Marie to the Essentially You podcast. Honestly, welcome back, girl. It has been a while. I am so happy to have you back. 
I am so excited to be back. It's so wonderful. I last time I was on, you were in a mommy yacht. That's that's right. I was still pregnant. Oh my gosh, it was 2020. I was just looking at that conversation. It was so much fun. We were talking about sneaky foods that raise your blood sugar that most of us don't even think about. And actually, that's kind of how I want to kick this conversation off today. We are talking about the three strategies to increase energy all day long. Hala, if you want that in your life, I know I do. I am so excited for this conversation because I'm always open to all of the endless possibilities to create more energy. And I think I speak for so many of us when I say, I want to wake up energized. And not only that, but I want to feel good at 4 p.m. after like a big part of my workday, still feeling that way. And I think that is a lot of what we're looking for. And so I I told everybody, you're going to (laughs) deliver. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, um, I'm on the pressure. I'm on the yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about where I where we both think I think energy like lagging energy begins to occur, and that has a lot to do with the food that we're eating. And this is this is literally your wheelhouse in terms of keeping stable blood sugar, getting off of the sugar roller coaster, maintaining that great blood sugar balance all day long, so that you're not experiencing crazy hunger pains, crazy cravings, that lagging energy. And so, talk to me about why keeping your blood sugar in a really sweet spot is so critical to that endless sustainable energy that we all deserve. Absolutely. So blood sugar is one of those things that people just don't want to talk about, or they think about like you're diabetic. I'm not diabetic, so I don't have to be worried about blood sugar. But the truth of the matter is almost everybody, 88%, according to a recent uh, report, of the population is what they call metabolically unwell, which means the blood sugar is it's not within the right range. And what does that mean? Well, you know, you've got to be able to get the food that you eat converted into the nutrients and converted into glucose and all that. And then that sugar has to go into the cells. It's not enough for it to be in the, the bloodstream. And what people find is that when their blood sugar goes way up, they feel exhausted. When their blood sugar goes way down, they feel exhausted. So when it's up, you go, why should I feel exhausted if my blood sugar is up? Because your blood sugar is up. It's in your blood, not in the cells where the cells can make this energy via these little things, these powerhouses called mitochondria. And when you don't have the sugar getting into the cells, it's a mess. And why wouldn't it get in the cells? Well, you have a problem with insulin. You have a problem with insulin resistance. You have a problem with damage to your cell membranes because of exposures to some of those things that are common in our everyday life, in our everyday diet, hydrogenated foods, pesticides, et cetera, et cetera. So we want to keep that blood sugar when it's in that steady range. It usually means that insulin's working properly. We're getting the sugar into the cells. We're not overproducing insulin and then causing those really low dips where then the brain can't get the energy or like foggy and all that. So it's super important to just maintain it in that tight range. And funny, you said the sweet spot, because that's what I call it. Like for everybody, there's a sweet spot of that range of blood sugar where you just feel really good. Like you feel like your brain's on fire. You feel your energy's good. You feel like you don't have cravings when it drops too low or it gets too high that's when the cravings start. 
that's when the energy dips. That's when the brain starts to go off. So it's really important to keep it in that steady state. Mm. And I know that it can be varying for every single person. You know, the the numbers that I always hear kind of consistently is you want to keep it between 70 milligrams per deciliter to 110 milligrams per deciliter. I know you and I have both talked about, you know, that the American Medical Association considers to be a like a spike is anything above 140. But you and I both know that if people are peaking into the 140s, that, that is not, that's not normal. That is very, very abnormal. Very abnormal. Yes, absolutely. And I agree with that. So that would be, you know, ranging from fasting first thing in the morning, all the way through at the peak at the highest point that it hits after your meals. And that 110 really should reflect, it shouldn't go higher than that. And then it comes back down and it be between, um, like one and a half to two hours later after you've had your meal, it should be back down to baseline, whatever it was when you first woke up in the morning. And that's not true for most people. For a lot of people, they're spiking up to like even 130, 140. And their doctors say, oh, you're fine. You're fine. Oh, your fasting blood sugar is in the 90s. You're fine. We don't worry about it till it gets in the hundreds. And the truth of the matter is none of that's true. And when they do the, the studies and they look at people and how metabolically fit, metabolically well they are, the study back in 2018, and we know it's gotten worse since then, but that 88% of the population was, was metabolically unwell, meaning their waist-hip ratio was off. Triglycerides. Triglyceride HDL ratio was off, that their fasting blood sugar was you know, just at the higher end of the range. It might've been perfect actually, but then their insulin levels, a lot of people are running around with insulin levels fasting that are in like 18, 20, 15, 36, and up until 20 here in the con in this country in the US is considered normal. I'm telling you, girl, if, if you have an insulin level of fasting of 18 or 20, you ain't gonna be able to get rid of the hips, the thighs, the waist, or any of that because you're constantly in fat storage mode. Hmm. So I just, I'm so glad that you're bringing to this attention. And another really incredible stat that just came out, I want to say in the last couple of years is that 90% of people are spiking, having blood sugar spikes, glucose spikes in the diabetic range, well over 140. And so like you had said, a lot of people are just like, well, I'm not diabetic. I'm not pre-diabetic. And even if I was pre-diabetic, that just means I'm in the waiting room for diabetes. So I'm, it's not that big of a deal. I know doctors sometimes don't even tell patients that they are pre-diabetic because they're just like, well, they're just not, they're not diabetic yet. So it's not that big of a deal. But what we know is that every time we have one of these spikes, and if we have these spikes for breakfast, you know, it's setting the tone for the next 36 to 48 hours. Like you're going to keep seeing spikes, even if you eat a pretty, you know, solid, you know, low sugar, low starch meal for dinner and lunch. Most of the time, what I've seen is that people are still spiking if they had dessert for breakfast, you know, and so what's been really fascinating is I think we're now realizing, oh my gosh, all of us as adults, you know, 90% of us are having inflammatory kind of producing blood sugar spikes and it is a big deal. It's not wait until we get to this other place. We know that that's causing massive levels of inflammation in the body, especially when it happens on a consistent basis. Right. And it's damaging even before, I call it pre-insulin resistance because insulin resistance is usually what we call that stage that you go through that's pre-diabetic. I call it pre-insulin resistance. And what we know from the studies is that every single time we have that rise, 
120, 130, 140, we're seeing damage as if you're diabetic. So damage to the retinas. I've seen, I've physically had people in my practice who ended up with diabetic retinopathies and they'd never been diagnosed as being diabetic because their sugars were all the way going up and then they go way down. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's where the crash is coming from. Anyone listening to this, if you're hitting a spike of 140 and don't get it twisted, you could have spikes way bigger than that. Like you have a gelato on gelato on its own or a milkshake on its own, or you have a waffle for breakfast with maple syrup. These are what I call like naked desserts, naked carbs. You're going to spike well past 140 on most days of, unless you've got some incredible metabolic flexibility where your body can really handle that. Like a real small amount of people do have that where they can eat anything and their sugar never goes up or down. And then there's another small percentage of the population that no matter how good they are, they're still going to have it unless they're super super strict, right? I'm that girl. So I, I have no wiggle room and I know you don't either. Um, and I, I remember I really figured out that I had been on a blood sugar roller coaster for probably well over a decade and just was, had no idea. I thought it was cortisol issues. I thought it was too much stress and it probably was those things too. Um, but ultimately I was just riding I, the nonstop sugar roller coaster, couldn't get off the ride for a very long time. And you know, whether I've changed the way that I eat or not, and I do believe that our bodies can heal, but I did a lot of damage back in the day, you know, a lot. And so now today I can keep myself in that super sweet spot range, but there's no wiggle room. Like I got to keep it super clean. And in a lot of ways, it depends on how you want to look at it. And in some ways it's a win because that means that there's, there's now one more reason why I really need to nourish my body with metabolically nourishing foods. You know, you know, it's kind of nice to know that I don't have any wiggle room. So it's always a great idea to always a great idea to make the choices. It's always good. Yeah, it's always a great idea to make the great choices that are going to become our future liver, our future brain, our future, um, our future energy stores. You know, and I think that's how we. It's important to look at it in that way. Yes, get it dialed, but also what foods are you eating that are going to become your future self. I think that's such a powerful thing to think too. So let's say people aren't measuring Dr. Rita Marie, but they also, they want to know. And let's say that one of the big facets today of the three facets we're talking about is get your blood sugar stable, right? right? Get to a place of metabolic health, not metabolic dysfunction. So become the 12%. Yes, exactly. I want to be in that 12%. Yes. Or, or hopefully the 12% becomes 15% or 20%, right? It's gaining more. We're going the other direction. So what do we do? Let's say we're not measuring as someone's listening to this right now and they're checking in with themselves and they're thinking to themselves like, man, Dr. Marie's been a lot, a lot of episodes on this and huh, I'm thinking maybe my blood sugar is a little out of control. Like maybe a big part of why I'm struggling with my energy is this, this piece right here. What are your recommendations to start to move us in the right, the direction of metabolic health? So I'll just give you an example. Years ago, I discovered that there were no old people in my family and that they all died really young. And I, cause I was trying to figure out where am I going with this? You know, I'd had some health issues in my twenties. I turned them around and I thought, where am I going? Like, what kind of tendencies do we have? Like they all die of heart disease Okay, so heart disease is a biggie, right? And they die early. But I don't know what else, what else? Because they don't live long enough to know if they were going to get Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or some of these other degenerative things. So I decided that I'm just going to act as if my genes are the worst possible in the world. 
So I'm going to do the best possible things for me. No, I'm not going to sneak out and have, you know, McDonald's every now and then. And no, I'm not going to have my Dairy Queen as much as I loved ice cream. It's my favorite food in the world. I'm just not going to do that because what I want really for myself is to feel healthy and actually defy the rest of the family and actually become old someday. Still not going to be there, but I've already passed most of the relatives that I'm was looking ahead to, right? I'm past that. I, I, I outlived my mother. Obviously, I outlived my mother, but I mean, I, I lived past the age that she passed away. I lived past the age my dad, my grandparents, all my aunts and uncles. And I want that. I want to be full of energy all the time. And I am full of energy all the time. So what do I do? What did I decide? I decided to get rid of the crap. And the first thing when you're trying to get your blood sugar balanced is you got to get rid of the obvious sources of sugar and all the hidden sources of sugar. Right. So the obvious one is the table, you know, the, the sucrose that's sitting in your, in your t- uh, thing, Get the rid bowl, of that. throw it away, the bowl. We always had the beautiful sugar bowl on the counter and you just pop it into everything, right? No matter what we ate, we put it on toast and then add cinnamon to it. Now we had cinnamon toast. I mean, seriously, we were a sugar addicted household. So you get rid of the obvious, but there's so many hidden sources. Like we don't think about the crackers that we eat with peanut butter on them or whatever. The crackers are a source of sugar because they will be converted in your body very quickly to sugar. We don't think about the pasta. There's a lot of, oh yeah, but we don't do gluten, so we don't do pasta. Oh yeah, but we do the quinoa pasta and we do this. Those are high carb foods that get very quickly converted to sugar. So we start to reduce those foods. We start to eliminate those foods. We read the labels, molasses, honey, brown sugar, I'm naming all agave, all these things that are considered healthy sugars are sugar in disguise. You know, your sugars put on a Halloween mask and going, hey, 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 I'm going to trick you into eating me. No, those things will raise the blood sugar. My son was a beekeeper for a summer as a job and he came home with this big thing of like this honeycomb, this beautiful honeycomb. And I'm like, well, that won't raise my blood sugar. Let me test and see. And I just like had a little bit of honey right from the comb. Oh, no, girl. Right no. up like a hockey right stick. Up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right? There's so- no, all sugar is the same as far as I'm concerned in terms of what it does on a biological level, right. like agave, coconut sugar. You know, we all think that there's these healthy sugars, honey, right? It just, right. it's no, it's all the same in terms of the way that your body breaks it down in terms of the way that your liver has to deal with it. It's all the same. There's no magic sugar out there. And then sugar alcohols like erythritol and um, xylitol, like those are major gut disruptors, you know? So it's really about sticking with the metabolically friendly foods. Exactly. Exactly. And it doesn't have to be depriving, right? You don't have to deprive yourself of good stuff. So if I really want to have a noodle, I'm, I'm Italian. I like pasta, right? So if I really want that, the other day I went and I, I took a zucchini from my garden and I spiralized it and made my spaghetti. And then I went out to my garden and picked tomatoes and basil and I dressed it and I put some garlic on it. It was this wonderful, exotic Italian meal, but low carb, right? It didn't spike my sugar at all. There's konjac noodles, there's kelp noodles. There are other kinds of noodles that are not carb. They're like the konjac is just a pure fiber. It's actually glucomannan, which is very good for satiating. There are actually these new supplements out on the market where people are buying this powdered stuff and they add other stuff to it and cost, charge you 50 bucks. It's so much easier to just get some glucomannan. Any of the companies have it and you get this and you, you, know, you can slow it down, but you can actually get them as noodles, miracle noodles. 
right? So you can still eat some of your favorite foods. You just have to do them in different ways that are like, I love the term metabolically friendly. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, it's, and it's swaps, it's healthy swaps. And there's never been a time where we have have so many options for swaps. You know, there yes. just hasn't been And you know, we just are really fortunate. So this is something that you're like, okay, I need to make this switch. This is probably one of the biggest things that are going to, that's going to extend that energy all day long is to create steady blood sugar. And so I know mm-hmm. you are the one of the, the experts on this topic. So I wanted you to dive deeper into that. But I also want to get into the other two things as well. So you and I, you had mentioned earlier, and I know my my incredible, um, essentially you community, we know about mitochondria. And we know that the mitochondria are major players. They're literally it when it comes to creating energy for ourselves to do their job. And so I, I think that a lot of us, due to environmental factors, due to this modern lifestyle that we're living, that we can really wear mitochondria down. So I would love for you to share some recommendations and strategies for boosting our mitochondria, for getting more robust mitochondria, simple daily lifestyle tips that can really up the ante. There's a couple that I personally do, but I want to hear a little bit about what you recommend. So one of them is sleep, <laughs> right? There's just so much that happens with sleep and, and boosting Amen. Your- Onen levels, right? You know, not sitting and staring at screens all night and watching TV and kind of, you know, getting good in rhythm with the cycles. Um, and that makes a huge difference on the mitochondria and how healthy they are and how robust they are. Good food, whole food with the B vitamins intact without all the sugars. But because what happens is when you eat sugar and you strip away all the B vitamins from it before you eat it, the mitochondria are going, how do I process this? I need my B vitamins to process this, right? So you need to have those whole foods that are loaded with those nutrients. And yeah, you can take supplements and that's that's one approach, but you can't take supplements instead of a good diet and lifestyle. You have to take it in addition to, you know, to deal with some of the stressors and the environmental stuff and some of maybe the changes you've made over the years, the damages you've done over the years. So the food is really important. The sleep is really important. Lowering stress levels because we get a lot of oxidative stress when we're, our adrenals are kicking in, right? Cortisol levels go high and that the adrenals deplete vitamin C and then create a lot of oxidative stress. So simple processes to just take breathing breaks throughout the day. You don't have to sit and meditate for an hour, although it's helpful, but just to take breathing breaks throughout the day. So as you feel yourself getting stressed, you go, I'm going to feed my mitochondria. I'm going to increase my energy. That shifts us from sympathetic into parasympathetic. Parasympathetic where the vagus nerve is activated. And vagus nerve activation is so important for mitochondrial health. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is such a powerful, powerful strategy is just breathing. Um, whether it's taking a moment outside to walk outside and take some deep belly breaths. I love that you did take a little moment on sleep. I, I tell people, I've been saying this a lot. I, I never had known, I mean, I've known a lot of levels of sleep deprivation, but I didn't know it to the extent when we had Kingston. Then I was like, oh my goodness. Like no. <laughs> my word recall was just gone. It just poof disappeared. I would be in the middle of a conversation and my words would just be gone. I couldn't remember what I was saying. And I was like, this is like something next level. I felt like I was like just 
just in a haze getting through life on a day-to-day basis. And so I, you know, I think a lot of us are at some level of that if we're not getting that deep restful sleep. And one of the things that you had pointed out was melatonin. And what we were looking at, we're seeing is that melatonin is a, is a huge precursor to the creation of mitochondria. And so if we are not, you know, research had just came out on this, that if we're not getting that deep restful sleep, if we don't have all the electronics off, we don't have a good, sexy, great sleep routine that gears us up for boosting that melatonin output, it, it has a profound impact on our mitochondria being robust. That, that can be the make or break for, for many of us is, yep. the, is the sleep component, is that lack of melatonin that we're getting. Yeah, absolutely critical. And I know we think about, well, if I don't get enough sleep, of course I'm going to be tired the next day. But is this more biochemistry behind it than just you're tired because you didn't get enough sleep? It is because your mitochondria don't get to regenerate. Your hormones don't get to regenerate. There's so much more to it. You have to get enough sleep. Mm. I hear that. Okay. And then number three, like, you know, in terms of something that we can actively do or we can bring into our, into our daily routine, what would be a third thing? You know, if I was looking for, like, if I only, if I had seven days, I know so many of us, we're looking like, what can, what can we do consistently to really experience a win within the next week or so? Like just kind of turn the corner so that we know we're in the right direction. I think stabilizing blood sugar is a big one here. I think being so committed to our sleep is huge, but anything else that you would love to share that you think would be great for us in terms of creating just that endless, that just that energy that we want all day long. Yeah. So beyond blood sugar, there's a lot to do with food, right? So the food, um, I think you mentioned it earlier, something about the gut and the microbiome. And we really need to feed the microbiome because the microbiome then helps us to have the right neurotransmitters, the alert versus sleepy neurotransmitters, the parasympathetic versus sympathetic neurotransmitters. So having the right gut flora. And so what do we need? We need colorful foods to feed our microbiome. We need fiber, certain fiber, not just go take Metamucil. No, it's all the fibers from all of these amazing colorful foods and the phytochemicals that come from that. And that helps us um, feed the right microbiome, the right gut bugs that create short chain fatty acids that then heal the mucosa and then create, there's prebiotics, probiotics, and postbiotics. And a lot of those postbiotics that are produced are actually neurotransmitters and they're helping us to have the lights on during the day instead of the lights off during the day. So I think that really having that wide variety of foods, that colorful foods, not just everything green, not just everything purple, not just everything white, which is kind of the standard American diet, but what colors that you can include in there, the purples, the greens, the blues, well, I don't know, blue blueberries, eh, they're more purple, but- Blueberries but are blue. I mean- are blue. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? There's some blue foods out there. There's some blue foods out there. Purple, like eggplant. Definitely purple. Them, right? Yeah. And the green and the, and the red and the yellow, right? There's yellow bell peppers. There's red bell peppers. There's orange bell peppers. There's orange carrots. There's black carrots. There's black radishes. There's those beautiful radishes that are look like watermelons. You've seen them. They have the beautiful pink on the outside. And, oh God, they're beautiful. And they're so nourishing. They're so nourishing for the gut microbiome, but they're also nourishing for the liver. So having us this variety, like think about eating a rainbow. I know it's cliche and you've heard it before, but how many different colors of vegetables can you eat in a day? 
Yeah. Well, let's talk about what are the numbers. I, I just did an episode on how to create a metabolically healthy meal. And the, the kind of the recommendation I started people with was 20 different diverse vegetables per week. And then leading up to 30 different diverse vegetables per week. And that really happens in the grocery store first and foremost. Get creative. And, you know, the great thing is veggies and fruits, you know, veggies go hand in hand with each other. They tend to taste really great with each other. So like, I'm like, throw it all in the salad or throw it all in the stir fry, exactly. or, you know, or throw it all in the soup and just start to see how many different diverse types of, of veg, especially this time of the year right now where there's so much going on. And then I know that the low standard for fiber for women, I think it's like 90% of women are fiber deficient, 97% of men are fiber deficient. Whoa, you know, 88% metabolically dysfunctional. I mean, I know that fiber is such a big part of the solution for the obesity epidemic. Like if we could just get people to in increase their fiber. So the low number which we've heard for years is 30, but it's, it's not, I mean, we really, especially for us as women, especially in that perimenopause, the menopause phase where we're just clearing so much more, we really need our gut to be working properly is 50 grams of fiber a day. And that only way we're going to get that is, is by really bumping up the rainbow, like you said. Right. And the thing is, you know, when we go back and look at old cultures that are not Westernized, they're getting a hundred 100 grams of fiber a day. So what can we do to increase that? I didn't know we're not going around counting and like, oh, I'm going to put a carrot in there. That's 15. And then put this in here. I, we don't have the, the brains that manage it that way. But if you make a point of having, like you said, 30 different foods, 30 different vegetables and fruits across a week, that breaks down to at least two to three different ones. Well, no, it's more like so whatever, it's somewhere, somewhere in the, let's just say five different ones every day. Yeah. And we mix them up and it's easy. Like if I look at my salad from last night and that was a simple salad, you know, it had like lettuce and sprouts and cabbage and cucumber and celery and carrot and tomato. I mean, it, you just add it all up and then we had some radishes. So whatever you can find to put on those and you chop them up and you make them yummy. You can even take some of those veggies and put them in the blender and make a dressing for your salad. So you don't have to go to, you know, the wishbone, whatever kinds of dressings, but you can actually make these great dressings. And I taught one on a, a show I was doing a couple of weeks ago and I said, oh my God, it was so good. You just throw a cucumber in the blender. There's your water. And then you add in some other veggies like that have flavor, maybe not veggies so much as as uh, herbs, right? So you can put some basil in there, you can put cilantro, you can put all these different herbs in there and blend it up and add something fatty. So I think avocado would be good, some coconut meat, nuts, seeds, those kinds of things to make it a little bit, you know, have more texture. And now you have this delicious dressing that's part, you don't have to eat that many more veggies, you've got them in your dressing. So that's what I love to do. I love that. I love that. And I know that as we're wrapping up, you know, food, I think if there's anything that we're taking away from this conversation today, whether it is the microbiome or it is feeding the brain or it's giving our mitochondria what our need, it lands on food, right? We, we know that food's such a big player here. If it's stabilizing blood sugar, the food's going to be a massive part of that. And so I know that you have an incredible guide for us that really not only, because I know some of, some of us are thinking, well, I still, I'm trying to figure out what those energizing foods are or the foods that are completely depleting me like and and that are tricky in that way because so often those types of foods are being touted as 
foods that are going to give you instant energy, but ultimately are going to just completely mess up your blood sugar and have you crash and burn. We all have been there. So talk to me a little bit about this guide. And then I I know we have the link too. We can share and I'm going to have it in the show notes. Great. I have a guide that's basically energy zappers and energy enhancers. And it's a list of foods that you can incorporate to increase your energy and foods to incorporate or to stay away from. And they're common everyday foods that people mistake for, hey, this is a healthy food. So we've got that and you can get that easily at, uh, what was it, drreadamarie.com slash energy energy food. So drreadamarie.com slash energy foods, and I will have it in the show notes, but I'm super excited because I think sometimes it's really nice to have a reference point, a guide that we can pull from that you can have on your phone or that you can print and just have it in your, in your kitchen or take it to the grocery store so that you, you can kind of get a good sense of like, what are those foods? And then the more that we incorporate these energy supporting foods, man, it, it is the game change. That's why I really wanted to have you on today is because this is, this is, where we can make the biggest impact. You know, yes, sleep is so critical and breathing is so critical and the parasympathetic, but I think about just in terms of foods, of feeding the brain, feeding the gut microbiome, supporting the liver, stabilizing the blood sugar, like all of these are game changers for not only mitochondrial function, but also just keeping steady energy all day long. Yeah. And there's nothing that feels better than that, quite frankly. You know, people say, oh yeah, that four o'clock in the afternoon crash. I'm like, I haven't experienced that for like 38 years since before I changed my diet and and learned. Like, I don't know what that feels like to feel tired at four o'clock in the afternoon. Like four o'clock in the afternoon, I get upset if I feel tired at 11 o'clock at night. You know, like, why am I so tired? Oh, it's 11 o'clock. It's bedtime. Okay, I'll go to bed, right? So we really, that there's so much that your life can be enhanced by increasing your energy. Uh, So many relationships that get better and your job gets better and your ability to perform better at your fun activities, right? You don't have to say, I can't go hiking with you after work because I'm exhausted. It's just, it just enhances the quality of your life to enhance the quality of your energy. Mm, I agree 100%. Amen to that. Um, Dr. Rita Marie, honey, it was such a pleasure to have you on again. I'm so grateful for your dive deep. Great. Thank you. We'll have the guide again. Anywhere else, Dr. Rita Marie, you would love us to go and check you out. Well, you can check me out on Facebook or Instagram. We post quite often on there. Um, We're just starting up our YouTube channel again. So our YouTube channel has a lot of good stuff and it will have more to come. And um, drreadamarie.com is my website, which is undergoing a facelift right now. But yeah, you can check me out in all those places. Thank you so much, my dear. Thank you. Of the three strategies shared today, what excites you the most? Was it getting more deep restful sleep? Was it creating more metabolic flexibility by stabilizing your blood sugar? Or was it loving up on your gut with a diverse array of fiber-rich foods and herbs? Now, personally, I love all three because they are all mega needle movers. And I'm personally committed to optimizing every single one of these areas in my life because I feel like we're always learning more and figuring out how to make even better choices around us feeling more energized and just our bodies working better. Now, food is probably the one I love the most because we are always choosing with our forks and we have so many opportunities throughout the day to really nourish ourselves, to create that energy that we desire. 
And that's why I love that Dr. Rita Marie has created a guide that has energy boosting foods and also foods that we may be thinking are energy creating, but are actually energy depleting. It's so important to know the difference because there's so much marketing craziness out there that there's a lot of mixed messages. Like I'm so grateful that she brought up the fact that, you know, even sugar is touted to be healthy, different types of sugar. And as I've shared on this show, sugar is sugar is sugar. And it, the way it breaks down in the body is always the same. And so when we get super clear on the foods that are going to really energize us versus the ones that are going to deplete us, man, that can make all the difference in the world. So I highly recommend going and grabbing this energy foods guide that's going to give you up levelers and also show you the ones that are going to deplete you so that you have this as a reference guide to pull from. Now I'm going to have the link in the show notes for you to go grab. And as always, thank you so much for listening in to the Essentially You podcast. The show is all about providing tools to rock your hormones and feel amazing in your body. Now, if there's someone in your life that needs to hear this today, send it on over, right? Take a screenshot, text it on over to them, text the link, whatever works easy for you. And if you do decide to share it on social, hashtag hormone CEO, that way we continue to spread the word about hormone literacy and ensure that we all have the energy that we deserve. 